You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And welcome to this episode of Locked On Cavaliers. As always, I'm your host, Chris Manning, from Fear the Sword and Hardwood Paroxysm. Uh, as you know, this week is a position preview week, so I'm going to have people from Fear the Sword joining me to talk about different positions. Uh, yesterday, of course, we talked to manager David Zavok about the point guards. Um, and today, I'm joined by a colleague of mine at two sites, at HP and at Fear the Sword. Uh, you also probably know him for his amazing illustrations. Is Daniel Rall. Daniel, how's it going? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, we're here to talk about shooting guards today, um, and we're going to start with someone that hasn't actually signed a contract yet, but I think, uh, Dan, would you agree with me that you would expect J.R. Smith back in a Cavaliers uniform at some point in, let's say, the next month or so? Yeah, I, I mean, it's the same kind of situation as with Tristan last year, same agent, same kind of holdout, except not with the qualifying offer business, but I, I do hope J.R. is going to be back on the Cavs, and it sounds like he wants to be with us too before before the preseason starts. So, yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll ask you this before we get into how Jr. sort of fits and what you sort of expect out of him. And it's hard to sort of evaluate him, I guess, just because of the contract situation. But um, I mean, do you think it's a, that big of a deal that he isn't probably going to miss the start of training camp? We know today that uh, Brian Windhorst reported that he is not going to be at LeBron's uh, mini-training camp in Santa Barbara with the rest of the team. He and I don't think he should be because he's negotiating a contract. He has no reason to be there because he's technically not a Cavalier. But every indication that he will be back. But do you think it's a big deal that he's going to miss what it seems like at least a little bit of training camp and it's possible that it goes even farther? Uh, I'm not too concerned. If you follow uh, LeBron and JR on Instagram and their Instagram stories, you'll find that they actually have been working out together a few times even this season, in the offseason. Uh, so I, I don't think it'll be too bad. Where I will get concerned is if the season starts and he still remains unsigned. Um, I don't know. I mean, we're, the Cavs are defending a championship, and I really don't think that they need to, to amp up too much uh, until later on in the season. But I, do, I would like to see him show up, you know, game one of the regular season in shape. And I trust JR can do that. Last last night, I actually watched him in a Dallas Cowboys helmet, biking and talking about how good the Dallas Cowboys were on his Instagram. Oh, that, feed, yeah, so. that was that was fantastic. I <laughs> uh, J.R. Smith is having a very good summer. He got married. He went to Europe. Uh, he's been playing a lot of golf, uh, yeah. he's, and he gets to watch football. He's having a pretty good summer, besides the fact that he hasn't gotten paid. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm of the opinion that I would. I think it'd be super ideal if he was in camp, just because Jr. is a guy that I don't know uh, is going to be the type of worker or the type of guy that's just automatically going to be locked in. He really benefits from having a guy like LeBron with him, having a guy like or a coach like Ty Lue kind of supporting him. He benefits from being around guys like that. And I, I mean, you've seen him from his Instagram story. Quite incidentally, he's been working out with LeBron. Uh, he's been with LeBron. He's been with him and working out with him and with the other clutch sports guy. So it's not like he's avoid of that structure that brings the best out of him. But at the same time, you would hope that 
you know, he can replicate some of that while he's away. The, the clutch sport things will help. And I'm, and this isn't like a black and white thing where LeBron isn't going to talk to him if he's not there. Like, that's not how that relationship works. Uh, but yeah. I, I'm a little bit frustrated. I'd be a little bit frustrated if I was the Cavs, rather, if he isn't in. Um, I think it's ideal if he's in the sooner the better. Um, but it's it's not the worst thing. Well, then I also just understand from Jarrett's perspective, he really, really should be really trying to get paid as much as he can for as long as he can. And because this is really probably the last time he can seek out a deal like he's reported to be seeking. Yeah. So, right. He was what the last thing I caught was he's probably trying to get about 15 million annually or something close to that. And what was his last contract with the Cavs? I think he was getting paid like five million. Yeah, so he, it's uh, last it's year when he great. when he sat out a bunch last summer as well. He ended up with uh, one year guaranteed for five million dollars, and then he responded by having a very very good year last year. He was instrumental really in the Cavs coming back from down three one against the Warriors. By the way, Dan, did you know that the Cavs uh, came back from three one to win the finals? No, wait, they did that. Yeah, I just wanted, I just had to make sure that you knew. You know, honestly, I spend about an hour a day on the trains, and I have a specific Cavs won the championship playlist that I queue up about once a week. But I have to ration it and remind myself only once a week because otherwise it would be like spoiling it. But when I do reach like Nelly's heart of a champion, it's one of like the greatest moments of my week every week. Yeah, that's, that's it's a, just good. That's a good. That's always a good thing. I always still fun to celebrate. Um, but Jr. Last season, his age thirty season, seventy seven games, all starts, thirty point seven minutes a game, uh, shot forty one forty one point five percent from the field, forty percent from three, which is what you really care about. Over half his attempts coming from behind the arc. Um, you know, low turnovers. Getting about 12 points a game every night. A pretty good guy for what they need out of him. And played really solid defense. I mean, I think that was one of the best JR seasons we've ever seen. And I think you want that guy for the Cavs. You really, really want to get him around sooner the better. But I also just wonder what he actually, he actually signs with. Uh, you, Dan, I, I know, you know, we aren't uh, doing all this reporting on this necessarily on the ground. You know, getting all these nitty-gritty details. But let's just, I'm going to make you venture a guess. Uh, what would you say J.R. Smith ultimately signs for? Um, you know, I think $10 million is like the fairest amount, and he wants 15 So let's split the difference and say 12 and a half. I don't even know if that fits with the rules of how contracts work, um, but I'm just going to say that. I think that could work. Uh, I'm going to say he ends up signing for 13 a year for three years, uh, with the last year as non-guaranteed. Um, I'm, I'm of the opinion that I think he... He's pro- and it seems like reading between the lines a little bit uh, that he it's really about him getting to the point where he's getting paid over multiple years. He's getting paid longer um, because he needs to secure it and because he probably won't get this type of deal again. If he's sent a three-year deal, he'll be a 34-year-old J.R. Smith. So that's not someone that's going to be getting a lot of money for a team. Um, and I mean, and just as a reminder to everybody out there, it's really, really hard to envision uh, JR getting a contract offer from another team right now. I mean, there are uh, there are teams with cap space because of this summer. There are teams that could offer JR a pretty good amount of money and figure some stuff out and make a run in him if that's what they really, really decided to do. But yeah. for so many reasons, that doesn't make sense. Just because JR fits better in the situation, he fits better with, with the Cavs, he wants to be with the Cavs, and 
you know, it's not like another team can really probably get the best out of JR in the same way that um, the Cavs can. It's just, he, it's a perfect marriage between player and situation. Yeah, I mean, what I find really troubling about the whole JR situation is he can't really go and solicit offers from other teams because I think there's this sense that both the Cavs and him know that he wants to be on the Cavs. And so there's no like counterpoint he can play. Like I, you know, I could bring up the example of Dwayne Wade. Now, JR is not Wade. He's not like a Hall of Famer level of player. But Wade, you know, was feeling pretty salty about the contracts that he was dealt in Miami. And he went and he got other offers from Chicago. And then he went and he did it. And I just don't know if JR is in that kind of situation where he could go to other teams and even try and actually solicit like an offer that he could bring back to the Cavs and be like, look, they want to pay me this. You should pay me this because in the end, I think they both kind of know he wants to be on this team. He wants the chance to defend a title, and that's kind of where he's at. Yeah, I mean, and just to, to give a little idea of what other teams could do, uh, Sean Hyken, who hosts Locked on Bulls, wrote an article for Dime Mag over at Uprocks about a couple teams that could offer him money. Um, just as a reference, the Sixers have $23 million in cap space, the Nuggets have $20 million, the Nets have $18 million. The Suns have thirteen. The Wolves have twelve. The Jazz have twelve. Yeah, and and just it, but none of those teams make the same type of sense that the Cavs do. Um, and I and Dan, I would just say this before we move on to the other shooting guards. Uh, J.R. Smith to me is clearly the the starting two when he came over in a trade. I wasn't sure he he was going to be the starting two or that I liked the idea of him as a starting two. But I think especially if he is back, especially if he comes back at a reasonable time. Uh, I'm a big fan of him remaining the starting two, even if he comes back, let's say, in November and signs a deal and he has to work his way back a little bit. I think he should be the starting two next year uh, because, to me, he's clearly the best two-guard on the team. Yeah, I mean, I think that JR finished in the top ten in three points made and three points attempted last season in the regular season. And, like, even just by that metric of shooting ability, he definitely deserves to take as many shots as he wants, um, lay as much pipe as he wants in Cleveland, and I hope that he does next season. And I yeah. hope he does it as a starter. Yeah, and I'd expect him. I'd really expect him to. I don't see another scenario where he goes. I'd be shocked if he went anywhere else. Um, yeah. But the backups at shooting guard are sort of interesting because I think all of the options that are on the roster at the moment are guys that could do different things and could fill multiple roles and not just what you'd expect out of a two guard. Um, obviously, the big name there is Amon Shumpert. Um, you have Jordan McGray, who the Cavs are very high on. Mike Dunleavy, I would expect to play some minutes at the two, although I think he functions maybe more as a three because of his height, but I think because of how he'll fit with LeBron, he'll be a two. Um, and got, they have a guy named Markel Brown in for training camp to play with the Nets. Uh, they had DeAndre Liggins, that was uh, all the guy that played for them in Summer League that I know Cavs Twitter likes a little bit, but I wouldn't expect him to be on the team, but he'll be there for training camp. Um, but the, the big three guys really are Shumpert, Dunleavy and Jordan Gray, uh, and Dan. And, I mean, let's not forget Kyrie Irving, everyone's favorite point oh, yeah. guard. That no, noted shoot, noted, shoot, noted shooting guard Kyrie Irving. Yeah, noted yeah. shooting guard, not point guard Kyrie Irving. Um, but Dan, I'm gonna let you pick your own adventure a little bit on this one. Uh, we're gonna go through each of those three guys. What you expect out of them this year? Um, what kind of role you think they fill? Where would you like to start? Uh, I I think let's go kind of down the depth chart a bit. I think the second best option we have on this team. Uh, is still reluctantly Iman Shumpert. He had an off season last year, but 
I kind of want to talk about him a little bit. He's having a kind of a fun off season with his involvement in Kanye's fade video. And I do think that he still has the most potential as one of the youngest players on the team to to still turn it around if he if he puts himself into it. Yeah, he's uh, he's interesting because I think everyone would remember the narrative when he got traded uh, that he was the guy. He was the guy that I think most Cavs fans and most analysts thought was the get when they got J.R. Smith uh, and that traded with the Knicks. Um, and Schumbert, you know, he's twenty. He's barely twenty six years old. Um, last year, he, again, as you referenced, he didn't have a great year. Fifty four games because of injuries. Only started five. Played twenty four minutes a night. Uh, shot thirty seven percent from the field. A very bad twenty nine point five percent from three. The first time in his career, he finished under thirty percent from behind the arc. Uh, only averaged five point eight points. Uh, and you look at some of the advanced metrics. You know, he had a pretty hit a respectable usage of thirteen point two, but was turning the ball over not at a grade of fourteen point eight. Um, higher than his assist percentage of nineteen point eight. Uh, PER of eight point four, which is below what you'd expect out of an average player. True shooting percentage under fifty percent, uh, and not just not really the best year for Shump. Um, he was fine at times, useful times, but he struggled a little bit. And but I think there are ways he could get better. There are clear ways he could get better. Um, Dan, what what would you like to see out of Shumpert as he heads into uh, the second year of second full year with the Cavs? Uh, I think the Cavs are pretty set in terms of outside scoring, and I would really like to see him try and step up uh, in terms of his athleticism and his ability to be a defensive presence in the Cavs' second unit. I think uh, with the way that the Cavs kind of constructed the second unit in the playoffs. It was LeBron and Scrubs, right? And and they're not Scrubs; they're NBA champions. I'm sorry, but uh, the idea is that you have LeBron kind of playing almost double time between starters in the second unit, or uh, maybe time and a half. And so there's definitely some room where LeBron needs to be able to hide a bit on defense and. Having the ability to have someone like Amon Shumpert to help hold down the perimeter would be really helpful for the Cavs. Um, maybe they could find that in other players. We'll talk about in you know next, but I think that's the one place where Amon Shumpert definitely has shown uh, an ability to play defense at a high level. But I just I did not see it last year in the playoffs or in the regular season that often. Yeah, I. I, I almost think he has to have a big year this year just to kind of rebound. Um, his early returns were very promising when he got acquired, and I know he's been hurt, and I'd like to see him healthy, but he just hasn't been a great player. I mean, I know there are a lot of people that just kind of crap on him and write him off jokingly that he's the worst player on the team and all this stuff, but I, I think he can be better than I think he can uh, get to the point where he is a top eight or so Cav. I mean, he finished, uh, it came out today, uh, not yours truly wrote this, uh, wrote the write-up at least. I don't agree with it, but he finished sixth in our Cavs rank voting at Fear the Sword. I thought that was high, but I think if he has the best possible year for himself, uh, that is not out of the realm of possibility that he finishes that high. I think they have to do some things to kind of set him up for success. Um, I think on bench units, I think he probably needs to play a lot with LeBron, and I think you kind of maybe have to treat him like an inverted version of Delhi. Um, I'd like to see him playing some nominal five when he's playing with Fry and RJ and Mike Dunleavy, and he's getting inside and posting up a little bit on smaller point guards. Um, you give him chances to grow as a creator on nights where you don't necessarily worry about the win too much. When you're playing Brooklyn, when you're playing Philly, you're playing these bad teams where he can just experiment a little bit and grow. 
And if you move off of that, I think you try to set him up for shooting and try to get him in a groove where he at least is hitting, you know, let's say 33% of his threes. If he can get up to that range, that's not great. Teams are going to sag off him when it matters in the playoffs, but at least he becomes more functional in that role. And I think if you can get him more inside and let him use some of the athleticism he clearly has to just do more damage against guys uh, that he's going to be bigger than if he's guarding point guards and whatnot, I think that can set him up for success. But I think, again, his big role would be on defense, just being a stopper, being a guy who can be a very good wing defender. Um, but if he can do sort of these basic things, I think he could have a good year, but it has to just be kind of a reversal of what we saw last year. Yeah. And, I mean, even between the regular season going into the playoffs, you know, his advanced metrics did improve. I think his efficiency improved. So I think there's definitely, you know, I'm just looking at, his true shooting, it was, what, 475 in the regular season, and in playoffs it was closer to, like, uh, 560 or so. It's not great, but it's still an improvement. And if he could kind of – if he could just find a way <clears throat> to just give average, like, league average numbers and and to, to replace some of the def- the defense we lost in the second unit when we lost Matthew Delavidova, I would I would – think that's kind of the place for him it would be great if he was like a sixth man in like the the mold of sean livingston or something like that but i you know that's almost wishful thinking for me i i do think he can at least be a defensive presence for this team um and put in minutes the question for me though is like do you think his heart's in it like i just look at what he's been doing this off season and it just feels like half of his time is spent on his rap career and um, he was in this uh, Kanye West video for Fade with his wife and kid, uh, and I, you know, it's great. You know, I think he's just trying to enjoy his kind of championship summer. But I'm curious if his, you know, half his heart is kind of in music. If he's really going to be able to dedicate himself as well in back back in basketball. What, what do you kind of think of that thinking? Is that even is that flawed that way? I don't know. I mean, I I. I, I... I'm of two minds because I know that you there are all these it's it's almost like an NFL draft scouty thing when you talk about guys uh, you know you want them to be this super passionate about the game and all this stuff but um, I don't think I care to be honest like I I enjoy guys having interests outside of basketball um, because I know as someone who writes about basketball primarily I have these interests that are not pertaining necessarily straight up to what I do as a writer. Um, I write about the NBA, I write about the Cavs, but that is not the only thing that I care about. I, I enjoy comic books, uh, I enjoy rap music, I enjoy going to the movies, I enjoy doing other things that are not necessarily in my quote-unquote lane, and I think it's, it makes you a better person to do that. And I know how it can be frustrating, but um, I'm guarantee you every guy on the team, on the Cavs, and every guy in the NBA for the most part has, except for guys like a Kobe or something like that, um, have these interests that are beyond what they're doing. I mean, it's like we laud Russell Westbrook for having these fashion interests, and it's like a big part of his selling point. But it becomes like this thing where with Shumpert, if it's because he's not playing at that level, it becomes like a problem. I think that's kind of weird. I get the frustration with it, but I also just, I would rather Shumpert do what he likes and let him be himself than uh, not be yeah. himself. Because, I mean, think about how many athletes we have that are never going to share their stories, their interesting stories, because they're how they're going to be perceived, and I would rather just jump be himself. Um, and if you know, if basketball is not a 100% thing, you know, it's it can be frustrating if you're a fan watching it. It can be frustrating for the Cavs because you want him to be the best version of himself for your team. But if he's not, um, it is. I guess it just kind of is what it is to me. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, yeah, I, I regret even that I have these kind of thoughts because it's like uh, you, mean, don't wanna, I've, I've you don't want to you don't want to please a player, but it no, is I've, it I've is strange. I yeah, mean, when, when I was, I remember like being annoyed when you'd see guys like just doing other stuff, and I remember like when I was playing sports when I was younger in high school and stuff. Uh, there'd always be like that judgment thing where it's like, oh, if you're not in the weight room or you're not doing stuff to be ready, like, do you actually care? And it's like, well, I actually just like doing other stuff. Like, I have interests that are not just pertaining to this. Like, it's and I think that's a healthy thing. But um, like, Shum fascinates me. Like, I mean, he just he had the lyric about kneeling for the anthem on his song, his story that he released like, not too long ago, and. Like I think that's interesting. I kind of I I find it cool that there's a guy in the Cavs that has a weird interest just because even if he's not talking about them at length in the media or if he's not like elaborating them, he's at least like presenting himself in a way that is different than what you're getting from other guys. I mean, think about guys in the Cavs that don't have these personas. I mean, uh, LeBron's very crafted. LeBron is a very crafted, mm-hmm. smart individual. Um, PR trained. Yeah, he's yeah, PR trained. Kyrie and Kevin Love are not the guys who are going to open up the media, but it's like if you're if you follow Kyrie Irving on Snapchat, it's like very clear that that dude has a personality. You know, it's like he has, but he doesn't share that in a way uh, like Shump does. At least. And Shump is literally he just goes to fashion shows. He appears in that Kanye video. He hangs out with designer and who looks like his like younger brother, and uh, it's cool. But you know, I'm cool with it. Uh, Shump, but if and but I guarantee you that no one would care uh, if he just plays really well this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before we move on to the next guy, I'll let you pick our next uh, topic again. Uh, do you think Shumpert, if J.R. Smith isn't the guy to start this season, do you think Shumpert should be the guy who steps in as the starting two guard to start the year if J.R. hasn't signed a new deal by then? Uh, oof. Starting two guard, Amon Shumpert, that, uh, that's rough, um, I guess. So I would be curious to see lineups where um, LeBron's at point forward, Kyrie is at the one, and then we kind of ignore the two and try out like a another big man like Channing Fry or someone else that could kind of space the floor with shooting and play defense. I don't know. I, I would find ways to avoid Amon Shumpert starting starting two guard, but I guess I guess that is the right the right way to go about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say I would start Shumpert too, just because he's going to defend. Um, it's going to be a guy that you can maybe leverage him more. It's going to set him up to succeed because he's playing with Kyrie and LeBron. Um, and then, and one of the guys we still have to talk about, I think, could be an option. McRae, I could see them being a flyer on him if that's what they wanted to do. But I think with Dunleavy, I think his best role is off the bench as a key part of bench units. Um, so, Dan, who would yeah. you like to talk about next? Oh yeah, let's let's yeah let's do let's do Dunleavy. All right. I th- I think he's he has some two in him, a two three. I think he's going to be a sneaky huge part of the Cavs, the Cavs this year. Um, they got him for a very good price. Uh, he's under contract for the next two years. Um, and yeah, he's 36, and he's a small forward at 6'9", 230, and he's big. And he's coming off a back injury. He only played in 31 games last year. Um, Three-point percentage dipped to 39.4, which is below the 40% he's been at for most of his career. But if he is healthy and he can just move, my God, he's going to be perfect with LeBron. Um, I'm picturing bench units where he's the two. Uh, he is, you know, with Channing Fry just bombing threes as LeBron is driving and dishing, and, you know, Shumpert's like the safety valve, which is a perfect scenario. Um, I'm a big fan of Dunleavy. I think he could. he's going to play a really big role, and I think a lot of it is going to be as a two just because I think he's best served playing a lot of minutes with LeBron, just like almost everybody else on the team. 
but I think he just fits so well with what LeBron is great at as a distributor and as a passer. And I think you leverage him most if he is playing the two playing the two spot. Yeah, I I agree with that thought. Um, I always am super cautious with players off injuries. I think it's just because I've been burned one too many times picking up running backs with ACL tears that I just get really scared about any player with any injury. But it looked like, at least in the second half of the season this past year, that he was he was fine, that he recovered and rehabbed his back surgery, even though there was kind of an extended rehab for him. And if he is if he is a hundred percent and can maintain that health, I think he really is the perfect fit. The kind of the piece that we've been looking for. Um, it's just kind of a question of if he has the endurance to make it through a full season and into the postseason. Yeah, I, I think him and Richard Jefferson are sort of in the same uh, boat in that regard, just because um, I am not sure that either is going to be great all year. Jefferson could fall off a cliff. He's very clearly. Uh, better as a four at this point. I mean, Ian Levy, a friend of both of ours, a editor of both of ours, and uh, has been on the show before, Rich, for fan sided, wrote a piece about a couple months ago about how Rich Jefferson was above replacement level as a four, below replacement level as a five, and that matters, that nuance matters, because Jefferson really is sort of LeBron's quasi backup, uh, because you don't need a big time backup for LeBron, and uh, Dunleavy is an extension of that. I think he set up for LeBron for success. If he's healthy, uh, and like you said, the back and just trusting guys coming off injury can be risky, especially when they are nearing 40. That can be a tricky bet. But if he's healthy, I think, again, I think he's just a huge part of this team. I think he's a huge part of bench units. And I think, uh, I'm just going to say this kind of just in a vacuum, I would, I think Dunleavy could have a lot more value than what Matthew Dallabadova had last year. Yeah, uh, I think that's true. There's definitely in terms of size, there's a lot more that you can do with uh, Dunleavy. Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, think I mean, I think you look at how the, who the Cavs are probably going to face in the finals. Uh, you need guys that are six nine and can move. And if Dunleavy's back is good and he can hit threes, he makes that a little bit more interesting. It doesn't change like it doesn't tilt things one way or another, but it makes the bench units more interesting and it gives the Cavs a chance uh, to match the Warriors' length in some regards that I think kind of is going to be important. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just I peeked at his stats on Basketball Reference. He was like a forty percent three three-point shooter over the past three or four years uh i mean he's 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 good he's he's definitely gonna be able to replace a lot of what we lost with with della vadova and he has the size to to boot so i'm i'm excited to see him my only qualm with him is he's a duke point guard and i can was he a point guard i don't know he was a duke he's a duke alum and i just really can't stand that the Cavs and the entire duke circles are kind of converging on one single circle venn diagram I don't, do you have duke opinions uh i what's whatever i mean uh, the high school i went to um is called the blue devils so as a kid i had duke stuff like i bought uh, i had a pair of uh, black duke basketball shorts they wore all the time um and i was like fine with duke just because of that the same name duke doesn't annoy me as much it's always been for me a uh, a michigan thing because mm. i'm from cleveland and like i grew up an ohio state fan and then when i shed that and became an Ohio Bobcats uh, student, and then now I'm an alum. Uh, it's, you know, Akron is, like, as, as like dumb as that sounds, I guess, Akron's, like, the only college that annoys me. Yeah, like, okay. Well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Duke is, I, I get the annoyance of Duke, though. Like, they, uh, it's, like, funny that, like, a J.J. Redick, 
I remember like one of the first Sports Illustrated's I've read, and this is a tangent. We'll get to the other guy in a second, but uh, the for one of the first SIs I ever had was the JJ Redick, where he was behind their mascot, and it was like he's the most hated player in America. And I just like remember reading that, and I was like, oh, I hate this dude, and like I wanted to hate him. And then like I, I'm JJ Redick just because of how eloquent he is, how smart he is. Um, yeah, how good his podcast how is. Good is. How good is he's he has the best SeatGeek live reads out there. Like he's he's perfect yeah. at them. Uh, he just he's I love JJ Redick. I think JJ Redick is awesome. He's what I think. Uh, I wish a lot more NBA players were so open and whatnot. And he's just an interesting guy. And I I could never hate JJ. I could like never hate JJ Redick. Like he and he's just so good. Um, and you know the Duke thing, whatever. You know, uh, and I mean the I guess in, in with Kyrie and Mike Dunleavy, there's a lot of Duke going on. Yeah, I hope I don't lose any of your Duke followers for you, but yeah, I'll I'll try and open up my heart to Mike Dunleavy, uh, reluctantly. Yeah. So uh, I mean, and by the he is gonna fill that Matthew Dellavedova like annoying other teams role because remember Giannis like decked him mm. like, two years ago in the playoffs. Like he's gonna be the <laughs> agitator on this team, uh, I think. Him and Birdman, I think, are gonna be the two guys. So uh, the last guy we have to talk about, and we can get through him sort of briefly because I think his arc. I'm not that interested in what he his arc is. I bet Jordan McRae. Um, he is a guy the Cavs got out of the D last year. He played for them in summer league, was their leading scorer in summer league. Um, he's a guy the Cavs they believe they can develop him in a meaningful way. He says 25 years old, so he's still pretty young. Um, he's six five or six six, depending on where you see it listed. And he he's an oh he's got a decent stroke. He had a couple big games uh, down the stretch last year when he was playing a lot of minutes. Um, but I think the Cavs are high on him. I think they believe that he is going to be someone that can play for them. Um, and, you know, Dan, I don't know how, if you, how much you give a take on Jordan McRae, but I wouldn't expect to see – I would not be surprised, rather, uh, to see him playing some decent minutes for the Cavs on the wing this upcoming season. So I have some quick fun stats I wanted to run through on Jordan McRae. Uh, per 36 minutes in the playoffs, 81 points. Uh, his true shooting in the playoffs – a hundred and twelve percent. His PER, according to Basketball Reference, a hundred and ten. This is all in only four minutes played, so it's like complete trash. But I just thought it's funny uh, that he had a really great four minutes in the playoffs for the Cavs. Uh, but yeah, and no, I think I think uh, as opposed to the only like mere four minutes he did play in the playoffs, that in the regular season uh, this upcoming year. We can expect a lot of Jordan McRae. Uh, I just think that the Cavs kind of have a philosophy with the regular season. It's just something that you have to get through, and they need like as much to, to kind of milk as much minutes out of some of these more uh, bench players as possible early on to preserve players like Kyrie and LeBron for later. So I, you know, I'm I'm curious to see kind of what he can do. I definitely think he has had flashes of being good, but he's been kind of deep on the bench behind players like Matthew Dellavedova and Amon Schumpert. So I think I'm curious, I'm curious to see what he makes of this opportunity. Uh, yeah, I, I would hundred percent agree with that. Um, I think he definitely, as you said, he has an opportunity to be a player on this team, to get some minutes um, and to do some different stuff that he wouldn't have had a chance to. Otherwise the Cavs are again, are very high and they believe Phil Handy and other these guys can develop him. Uh, and I think he'll be key for, their overall depth, um, key for their overall, uh, and J.R. Smith insurance, and I'd expect him to play. I really, really think Cavs fans out there that haven't paid attention to him and just wrote him off, uh, they're going to try to develop him and turn him into something useful. Um, I'm skeptical. I don't love everything. I think he's going to struggle a little bit 
um, off ball. He didn't look to me like the most fluid catch and shoot guy, which is what you want if you're him. He was very ball dominant, and when he was scoring, so we'll have to see how he does there. He also has a really bad nickname, according to Basketball Reference. It's Orange Mamba, which mm. uh, that's bad. I don't know if that's real or not. Maybe I have to find that out. Uh, but that's a really bad nickname. So that's awful. Orange. Yeah, I mean, he went to Tennessee. At- I don't know. Oh. It's just that's bad. That's a pretty bad nickname. Um, but they're high in him, and he's a LeBron. He's in this circle now, and we'll see how it goes. But um, I don't know. I'm excited. I would expect him to play. Um, and he's, he, yeah, go ahead. He's older than Kyrie Irving. I think that's fascinating. Yeah, and he threw the first pitch in his game the other day. I mean, he's he's NBA champion, so at least he has <laughs> he's got a ring. Um, Here's what I'll say. I went to uh, the USA game. It was a showcase game in Chicago. And there was a player that was decked out in Cavs gear that was sitting courtside and, like, talking with all the players. I had no idea who he was. He walked right past me, and I was like, oh, my God, like, you're famous. I don't know who you are. And then, sure enough, I looked him up later, and it was Jordan McRae, a Cleveland Cavalier. So, I don't know. I mean, I watched the Cavs every game last season, and I didn't know his face when it was 10 feet from me. So, maybe that's on me. I should pay more attention, but hopefully this season – he becomes a little bit more recognizable for all of us. Yeah, um, I th- I th- and I think there's a chance he will. I think there's a chance he plays. Uh, Marco Brown also is a guy that I think maybe it's a chance, but uh, we'll see. Um, if you're looking to hear more about him or some of the other uh, training camp guys, uh, look for that later this week um, when we have Trevor McDowdy on the show. But, Dan, uh, thanks for joining the show. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter? And uh, where can people buy your stuff that you, oh, yeah, that you so- illustrate? So uh, if you go to my Twitter page, it's Daniel J. Rowell, um, and in my bio I have a link to where you can buy T-shirts. So I have a great T-shirt of the Cleveland Cavaliers celebrating their championship on it is the, the uh, it is the uh, news it is the header for the fear the newsletter uh, fear the newsletter newsletter. Yeah, yes, yeah. So it's called City of Champions or something like that. It's just them coming off the plane. There's a great one of Kyrie with a tropical print. There's one with Kyrie doing a crossover in a jersey that says Believe Land. There's kind of all kinds of stuff. So yeah, uh, definitely all, check it out. It's and all it's, great. I, I, don't, I don't know how the amount of it, and it's all great. Yeah. yeah. So, And if you have requests, you can at me, and I will try to put it on the list too. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, definitely definitely give me a follow um, and check out the, the T-shirts. Yeah, they're all great. Uh, he's just debuted two J.R. Smith ones, the All Summer Swish 16, and just the J.R. on the on the Funky Duck, which I think it's called, which probably makes me sound old, but uh, cause I don't know what it's called, but whatever. No, it's uh, a Funky Duck. You're totally right. All right. Yeah, yeah. hip. Um, I'm like, uh, what was that Steve Buscemi on uh, 30 Rock when he goes to school? And he goes, hey, kids. Hello, fellow kids, or whatever he says. <laughs> That's me right now. Um, but. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CDWMWrites. Uh, you can always, again, find the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please go give us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us five stars. Leave us a nice review. Um, it just helps other people find the show, and we really appreciate it. Um, just a shout-out to everyone that's done it so far. We really, really do appreciate it. Um, again, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you're looking for a Browns podcast, because there's probably some overlap with the listenership, uh, Jared Mueller hosts Locked on Browns now. It's good daily. Uh, and again, this show is a daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. We're going to be here every day covering everything Cavs for the rest of the year. I'm excited about getting back to daily. It's our second full week of being back to every day. Um, and, and it feels good to be talking about basketball again. Media Day is next week. 
Um, and again, you can also, if you're looking for our podcast, you can find it on fearthesword.com under the Lockdown Cavs tab. And you can find it on todayisfastbreak.com on their Cavs page, which is part of the FanRag Sports Network. So you can find it all these different places. Uh, and you can find it on our Twitter at Lockdown Cavs. Uh, but for myself, for Dana Rowell, this has been another episode of Lockdown Cavs. We'll be back tomorrow with Carter Rodriguez uh, to talk about the small forward spot for the Cavs and maybe a certain guy who wears a number 23 jersey will factor into our discussion. But again, this has been Chris Manning and Lockdown Cavs, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow.